Good job. Brothers and sisters, please take your Bibles and open with me to Psalm 139. This is a psalm that you've already heard from this morning. Lily quoted several verses from this psalm a moment ago. This is one of those psalms I would encourage you to hide in your heart. Memorize the words of Scripture from this psalm. Cannot wait to preach this text today. Excited to preach uh, this psalm, verses 1 through 18. I invite you, if you're able, please stand as we read God's holy word. The Lord Jesus once said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the, night, and, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light to you. For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If, it would, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Friends, the grass will wither, the flowers will fall, but the word of our God, it will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father, as we approach this amazing text, open our hearts and minds to receive it. Teach us about yourself, your omniscience, your omnipresence, and the fact that you are our creator, and that indeed you made us in your image. And help us to see and value life the way you see and value life. And may we submit to your will and your ways, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Friends, please be seated. I remember as a child 
thinking to myself, wouldn't it be really neat if I knew everything? That every single time I had a question, I also had the answer. Or maybe even more cool cool than that would be, hey, if someone else has a question, maybe I could always know the answer to be able to tell them what they needed to know. And I searched and tried to know everything, but you know what I found out? I couldn't do that. I couldn't know everything, no matter how hard I tried. And then I thought, wouldn't it be neat if I could be everywhere all the time? If I could not just be in one place, but be in two, three, four, five different places. You know, I've, I've met um, some moms recently that, that talked about the fact that their kids go to three schools and play three different sports. Anybody have a situation like that? And the mom says, man, I wish I, I had the opportunity to be different places at the same time because I'm supposed to be at three different places at the same time. I'm supposed to watch a ball game Three different ball games, but they all happen at the same time. How can I be everywhere at the same time? And you find you can't. You just can't do that. And we find that we are so limited in not only what we know, but where we can be even in our presence. But friends, today, as we examine the scriptures, God teaches us that He is not limited in knowledge like we are, nor is he limited in space and time like we are. In fact, the Bible in this text teaches us that God knows all things and he is present everywhere all the time. And we understand these doctrines to be what we call the omniscience of God, that he knows everything. And the omnipresence of God, that he is ever-present, everywhere, all the time. And in the Bible, Psalm 139 is probably the clearest explanation of these two doctrines in the entire Bible. So as we walk through these first 18 verses today, I want you to see three points. If you have your bulletin, look on the back with me of those three points. First of all, let's talk about the omniscience of God. The fact that he knows everything. Secondly, the omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere all the time. But then thirdly, we're going to zoom in and we're going to see how God's omniscience and his omnipresence is actually connected to his creation. And we're going to talk about, as we've already done today, the life that is made by God. But let's zoom in at those first six verses. Let's look at what's called the omni, the omniscience of God. I'm going to reread those six verses. Follow along with me because I'm going to break them apart in just a moment. David writes, Lord, or O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. 
You know, as a people, we, we search for knowledge all the time. Not only do we go to elementary school and middle school and high school, we venture off to college, we go to graduate school, we go get our PhDs, we search for knowledge all the time. But we find that no matter how hard we search, we just can't find all the knowledge. I remember going to my doctor's office one time, and you know, I was in the waiting area, and they finally called me back, and I was on my way you know, down the hall and wrapping around, going to the, my room, and I looked up, and I saw a doctor in his office, and he had a big medical encyclopedia open on his lap, and he was looking down into this encyclopedia. And I thought, wow, this, this man has gone to school for a long time, but it's clear to me he's encountered something that he's, he doesn't really know all about, or he needs to be reminded of it or be taught something. His mind is deep into this encyclopedia because he still needs to learn. And we learn there's new diseases that pop up all the time. Who saw the COVID coming? People constantly trying to learn. Even like a lawyer. You go to law school, you do great on the bar exam. Guess what? There's new laws that are made even after you took that exam that you have to learn and understand. So we find that all of us, even though we try so hard to know everything about a certain subject, we can't do it. Think about even your line of work. Do you know everything there is to know about your line of work? Let me ask you this. Spouses, do you know everything there is to know about your spouse? Husbands, do you know everything there is to know about your wife? Sometimes we think we do. We're like, oh no, I really, I really don't. And we learn that no matter what we do, we have to keep on learning because we don't have this comprehensive, intimate knowledge. But the Bible says to us today that God is completely different than that which I just described. That God has a comprehensive and an intimate knowledge of not just some things, but of all things. Our search for knowledge is ongoing, but God... He's not even searching because his knowledge is already complete. And look at the verses in this psalm. As the psalmist even talks about himself and God's knowledge of himself. The psalmist here says that God fully knows him in three specific ways. And I want you to see those ways from the text. First of all, the psalmist says, God, you know everything about my physical life. My physical movements. Look in verse 1. Excuse me. Uh, Well, yeah, we'll start with one. Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. And here's how you've known me. Verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You know what the word picture there is? Going to bed and getting up in the morning. When I lay down or sit down for bed and when I rise up in the morning. I have a question for you. What time did I go to bed last night? I know you know it was after the second football game, right? But what exact time did I go to bed last night? You don't know. I don't know what time you went to bed last night. What time did I get up this morning? You don't know. And I don't know what time you got up this morning. But the Bible says God knows all of this. He knows when we... He knows when we sit down or lay down to go to bed. He knows when we rise up in the morning. Look at verse 3. You search out my path 
in my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Again, this is your physical life. As you go down your path of life, wherever your path takes you, the Bible says God knows that path. And it's not that he's wondering where you are or searching for where you are, but he knows what path you're on. He knows what time you went to bed, what time you got up, and the path that you take that day, he knows your physical life. But secondly, he knows your speech life. Look at verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. What are you going to say tomorrow? What are you going to say next week? If the Lord allows you to live, what are you going to say next year? We think we know, but we don't know exactly what we are going to say. But God does. God knows us so well. He doesn't struggle to think, what is this person going to say? He already knows it, even before we say it. And then thirdly, God knows our mental life. You know, when we try to keep secrets from someone, We have those secrets in our mind. You know, we think maybe someone can see my physical life. They can see when I go to bed or see me get up. They can see me walking down my path. I can't hide that from them. Maybe someone can hear what I say. I can't hide that from them. But there's a way I can hide something from people. In my mind. In my mental life. You see, I can keep things away from you. In my mind, you might think I'm thinking one thing, but I'm really thinking another thing. And I can do that to you, but I have a question. Can I do that to God? What does the text say? Verse 2, the last part of the verse. You discern my thoughts from afar. If you ever think, man, I'm going to live my life in such a way that I'm going to keep a secret from God. You know, he might see my physical life, he might hear my speech, but there's this part of my life I'm going to hide from God, and I'm going to keep it in my mind. Read this psalm. It says we are fully and completely exposed, even in our minds, to God. This most private area of life is fully exposed. He knows everything. Now, for the unbeliever, that might sound quite intimidating. That might even sound scary. Well, friend, if that is you, if you do not believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know that this God loves you. The amazing thing about this God is that even though He knows everything about you, He still loves you. Isn't that amazing? That we have a God who knows us physically, verbally, and mentally. And think about that. He knows us fully, yet He still loves us so much that He came to this earth and died on the cross for us. And for the Christian, this is so encouraging. Have you ever been in a situation where you're, you couldn't say something out loud, but you wanted to talk to God? And you talk to the Lord in your mind. Yet you wonder, does God really hear that? 
Am I getting through to him if I pray in my mind? This text says, yes, absolutely. God discerns your thoughts from afar. You can pray to him in your mind. How encouraging is that, dear friend? And right here in this text, you can see that in verse 5, the Lord sets limits to the psalmist's life, restraining and guiding him. This verse 5 is key. Listen to this. I'm going to come back to this in just a moment. But it says, God, you hem me in behind and before. Think about that. God is both behind you and before you. He knows your past and he knows your future. That is how great our God is. And the Bible goes even further. It says, you have laid your, your, your hand upon me. That Lord, not only are you in front of me and behind me, but your hand is upon me. And then he gets to the end of this first section on omniscience. And he says, verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It is high. I cannot attain it. I can remember when my firstborn son was about four years old. Blair, I got him a University of Tennessee football helmet. Imagine that. And it was in the top of his closet. And I can remember being in his room with him. And he was a little shorter at four years old. But I remember him being a four-year-old and he was reaching his hand up way up in the air. I want the helmet. I want the helmet. But he couldn't reach it. Why? It was too high. He could not attain it. And I think about Brock doing that as a four-year-old and I think that's, that's what the psalmist is saying here. That's what I was trying to do as a child. God, you're... You have this amazing amount of knowledge. I'm down here on earth and I'm reaching up. Oh, I want that. I want to try to get that amount of knowledge. But I can't attain it, right? I can't get that. I can't. It's too high. It's too lofty for me to attain. So friends, this is the omniscience of God. I'm going to date myself real quick. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, okay. Okay. All the young people are like, what? Who? I love SCC. Um, he wrote a song once called God is God. It said this, God is God and I am not. I can only see a part of the picture he has painted. God is God and I am man. So I'll never understand it all because only God is God. His ways are too high. This is what Isaiah chapter 55 says, speaking to God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Actually, this is the Lord declaring to us, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But friends, this text teaches us that God knows everything, but we're not done. Because verse 7 starts teaching us that God is everywhere. 
See, not only is there omniscience, there is omnipresence. So let's shift to verses 7 through 12 and see the omnipresence of God. Let's reread that text. Listen to these questions. Verse eight or verse seven asks, "Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night." Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Don't you love it when you get a good illustration? I'd say pastors like Matt and myself, we're looking for illustrations all the time. We love illustrations. You know, I can remember Dr. Kick, my homiletics professor at RTS, he says, when people come to church and they go home and they're sitting around the lunch table and they talk about your sermon, what are they going to remember? They're going to say, he said, they're going to remember the illustrations. They're going to remember the stories. And he said, think about the way Jesus taught. He taught with illustrations. He taught with stories. In fact, we know Jesus is the master storyteller, don't we? You know, when Jesus was talking about the lost, he told stories. Let me tell you a story about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, <laughs> right? All in Matthew or Luke 15. Luke 15, we know, is the lost chapter because it talks about all three things that I just mentioned that are lost. When Jesus says, let me tell you how the gospel goes forward, he says, let me tell you a story about a sower who tosses seed, right, on the ground. If he wants to teach you about mercy, he says, let me tell you this illustration, this story about the Good Samaritan, okay? Friends, in this text... There are two vivid illustrations about the omnipresence of God. And the author here uses geography to do it. And I'm actually going to argue that he uses not only geography, but geometry. There it is. There's the math teacher coming out. Are you all ready for the geometry lesson? Let's we'll start with geography, then we'll move to geometry. First of all, you see the questions, right? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? So the psalmist is asking, all right, God, is there a way for me to get out of your sight? Is there a way for me to go somewhere, climb a mountain so high, dig a hole so deep that I can get away from your presence? And then the psalmist answers these questions with geography. Let's look at it. Verse 8. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Okay, so if I ascend to heaven, the psalmist is pointing up. Okay, If I go up into the heavens, even to the skies, even to the place where God dwells, to heaven, if I go up, you're there. So the psalmist says, okay, now that I've pointed up and I know you're there, let me point down. Let me point to Sheol, which is the grave, in the ground. If I go in the ground, Lord, is that being away from your presence? No, the psalmist says, even in Sheol, God, you are there. Next verse, verse 9. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Okay. If I take the wings of the morning, what does that even mean? The sunrise. Which way does the sun rise? Or where does the sun rise? Isn't that east? Okay. So let's say east is this way. So, God, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I go east. And then he says, if I settle on the uttermost parts of the sea. Think about standing in Israel. Which way is the Mediterranean Sea? Isn't that west? You see what the psalmist is doing? Lord, if I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. If I go east, where the sun rises, you're there, the wings of the dawn. If I go west, if I go to the sea, you are there. Now, that was the geography, le- or geography lesson. Now comes the geometry lesson. Okay, here we go. Here's a box. How many faces does a box have? Six, right? A top and a bottom. A right and a left. And a front and a back. Think about what the psalmist is saying. If, if this box represents us, we've just learned that we can only be in one place at one time, right? We can only be right here. But the psalmist is saying, if I go up, so notice that there are six planes on a box, right? Flat surface, these planes on a box. There's six flat surfaces, six planes. So if you take this plane right here, and you go up, the psalmist says, God, you're there. If you go down, God, you're there. If you go east to the rising of the sun, God, you're there. If you go west to the sea, God, you're there. Well, that leaves two faces. What about forwards and backwards? What about north and south? Look at what the psalmist said earlier in this text. Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before. Well, there it is. This is behind me. This is before me. God is in heaven. He's down even in the earth. He's to the east of me. He's to the west of me. He's to the north of me, in front of me. He's to the south of me. He's behind me. All six faces are covered. And what God is saying is, while you, while you are right here in this box, you can only be one place at one time. I take all six planes and I am there. There is nowhere that you can move that I am not there, God says. I have covered it all. And not only that, verse 10 says, even there in all of these places, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Think about that. You're in this box and you move up, down, left, right, forward, backward. Everywhere you go, God is saying, you are in my hand and I am leading you, I am guiding you. How comforting is that? We read verses like, Lord, the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. There's not a place you can go that you're out of the presence of God. We just learned that you can, that you can pray to the Lord in your mind in all of these places. But then someone says, now, wait a second. I've got something that 
it's going to totally shut God down. Okay, God might be able to be with me up, down, left, right, forward, and backward, but what if I turn the lights out? Have you ever been in a place where the lights were turned out and you couldn't see? I told some of this story yesterday to a few people. Um, in 1999, when I moved to Charlotte to go to RTS, I needed an internship. And I went over to Christ Covenant and I sat down with Harry Reader and I had an interview for 30 minutes in May of 1999. But in June of 1999, he decided to go to Birmingham. So I was like, well, that's not going to work out. So I applied at another church, about as different as you could be from Christ's covenant. It was about an hour and 10 minutes away up in Rowan County, Back Creek PCA. Anyone ever been to Back Creek PCA? I mean, it is way, way, way out, a lot of farmland. In fact, the church was sitting next to a llama farm and a miniature horse farm. And I was the youth director. And I remember... It was December 1999. We did this Christmas event. You know, I drove the church van and came back to the church. And the youth got out and they went home. It was so dark that night. All the youth went home. So I was like, I'm going to go park the van in the garage and I'm going to leave um, to go home. Now, again, I'm way out in the country, way out in the country. And there's no lights anywhere. And I go park the church van in the garage and I lock the van and close the garage door. And then I turn the light out to head back to my car. And as soon as I turned the light out, it was completely dark. I mean, completely dark. I put my hand up in front of my face like that. I couldn't even see the outline of my hand. And honestly, I got scared to death. I thought one of those llamas or miniature horses was going to come after me. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. And <laughs> I was pretty young back then. And I didn't have a phone with a flashlight on it in 1999. And, and the reason I tell you that story is I was so limited. I was so limited by the darkness. As human beings, we are limited by darkness. We're like, okay, if we turn all the lights out, we cover all the windows, we can't see each other anymore, right? We don't know where each other is going to be. And we worry when it goes dark. I, remember, I watched a watched sports center this weekend. There was a basketball game. And in the middle of the game, all the lights went off. You can't continue the game because you're so limited with darkness. So, so the psalmist says, okay, let's see if these limitations apply to God. Look at it in the text. Verse 11. Okay, God, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light to you. It's funny, just a minute ago I did geometry, right? And now you have English. This is poetry. That's a simile. What's a simile? It's a metaphor using like or as. There it is, verse 12. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light to you. Let me ask you a question. Is darkness as light to you? No, darkness is darkness to us, right? But what is it to God? Darkness is light. We can't hinder God by turning off the lights. He knows exactly where we are, dear friends. J.I. Packer says it this way. 
Just as I am never left alone, so I never go unnoticed. I can hide my heart, my past, and my future plans from those around me, but I cannot hide anything from God. I can talk in a way that deceives my fellow creatures as to what I really am, but nothing I say or do can deceive God. He sees through all my reserve and pretense. He knows me as I really am, better indeed than I know myself. A God whose presence and scrutiny I could evade would be a small and trivial deity. But the true God is great. Just because He is always with me and His eye is always upon me. Living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent God. And friends, it's with our God's omniscience and omnipresence in mind that we look at this last point the life made by God look at verse 13 through 18 for you formed my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it full well my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, yet as when as yet there was of none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Friends, this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Which means that tomorrow marks the 51st anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Did you know that there have been more aborted babies since 1973 than there have been casualties in all U.S. wars combined? In fact, here is the number. If you take all the casualties of every U.S. war combined, multiply that number by 50, the, most, the amount of abortion still exceeds that number since 1973. And that is a heart-wrenching statistic. Well, friends, what's happened? What has happened in our society that we get to this point? Friends, I think the answer is completely theological, and it starts with this. As a country, we have denied our Creator. We have denied the transcendent God who knows everything and is everywhere. We have denied His creation. We have denied being stamped with His image. And as Americans, we have turned to a humanistic viewpoint that man is an evolved creature. Our country has accepted a lie that man is simply just a mass of material, no different from even a rock or a tree. We've accepted this Marxist totalitarian idea that we can easily liquidate masses of people because there's no external reason to even see their worth. You see, as Americans, we've eliminated the image of God from our society. And in doing this, we've taken away all the dignity that God has given us. All the worth. I had Matt read to you from Genesis 1 earlier today. The text saying that we are created in the image of God. I, want, I encourage you, do the study of Genesis 1. You're going to find out how important creation is. When God creates plants, it says He made them after their own kinds. When He creates 
animals. He says, God made them after his own kind, their own kind. When God made fish, God made fish after their own kind. But when God makes man, the language changes. Man is not made after his own kind. Who's man made after? God. Not after man's own kind, but after God. See, man was made completely different than a rock or a tree or a fish or a bird or an animal. Man was made in the image of God. That means God said to man and man only, I'm going to give a special blessing. God says, I'm going to take my finger and imprint myself on that man. He is made in my image, not after the likeness of a bird or or a bull, but after God himself. That means man has a dignity. Man has something that no other part of creation has. He's made in God's image which means that man has an eternal component because God has an eternal component. We have a soul that will last forever. That man has a relational opponent or component. Just as God, the Father, knows the Son who knows the Spirit, man is made to know other men and women, and man is made to know who? God. We have the capacity to know God. We are moral agents, the Bible says, unlike the animals or the fish. Romans 2 says, we have God's law written on our hearts. Our conscience bears witness to this fact that just as God is a moral God, we have been made in His image. But here's what happens. I call it the domino effect. I said just a moment ago that this is a theological problem and it starts with denying God. When you have a people who deny God, it hits like the domino effect. It knocks over the next domino. You've seen the dominoes set up and you knock them down and they just keep hitting each other. So the first domino is denying God. If you deny God, then that knocks over the next domino. You've denied creation. Because you're saying if there's not a God then God couldn't have created all things from nothing. And if you're saying there's not a God and there's not a creator, that knocks over the next domino, which is the image of God. You take that out of the equation. And if you take the image of God out of the equation, what happens? Everything becomes the same. A rock is a bird is a boy. You take away the dignity and the honor that God himself has placed on humanity. You take away, friends, the image of God. You take away all the worth, the value, the sanctity of life. And you're left with a country that loves abortion. That's why Genesis 1 is so important. Understanding the way you're created is so important. That's why Psalm 139, this text that says, not only does God know us, not only is God everywhere, but this God is so intimate that he was in the mother's womb, knitting this child together, forming this child in the depths of the earth, which is the mother's womb. And this child is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And because that child is made in the image of God, that's what gives that child the worth and the dignity and the honor to live. Human life is wonderful, dear friends, because it's an expression of God's image. This text teaches us that life begins in the womb. The child is known by God. 
even before he or she is born. So friends, how do we conclude this morning? What can we take away this morning? Let me start with Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. It says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his works? Friends, this is why we are a church that rallies behind things like love life. This is why we are a church that stands from this pulpit and says, let us be a house of refuge. Let us come alongside people who maybe you have an unexpected pregnancy and let us love you and walk with you through this. We are all sinners in need of grace. Every single one of us. And let us walk beside and love people and care for people who might have that unexpected pregnancy. Have you ever been to Love Life? If you haven't, I encourage you to go. 40 weeks out of the year, they gather in Charlotte, in your home city. And they gather with three purposes. To be present, to praise the Lord, and then thirdly, to pray. The three Ps. Be present, praise, and pray. Take this to the battlefield of prayer. Let us fight even for those who can't defend themselves. This is why we are doing what we're doing here at Redeemer. We're going to have opportunities even this year for us as a church to go down there together. Feel free to even go down on your own every Saturday for 40 weeks. Even, I think they end up in November is week 40. But we are a church that fights for for life, and for people to have the gospel. Because this text says that God knows everything about us. We can't hide anything from Him. If we try to reach up and grab what He has, it's too high, it's too lofty. This text says we're never going to escape God's presence. Whether we go up, down, left, right, forward, or backward. Even if we turn the lights out, Right? This text says that God created life in the womb in His image. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this text might scare you to death, quite honestly. Because now you know you stand before God who knows everything about you. You can't escape His presence. And maybe you find yourself in a situation where one day you had an abortion. And this is a scary thing. Well, friend, if that's you, I want you to know that there is good news from the Word of God, that Christ loves you. He died on the cross for you, and He wants to bring you to Himself that He might forgive you and restore you and give you a new name, give you a new heart, and bring you into His kingdom and to love you. Run to Jesus, dear friend, because isn't it amazing? Think about this. If there's one takeaway from this, isn't, there, isn't it amazing that this text says, God knows me completely. He knows all my nastiness, my dirtiness, my disgustingness. God knows me. He never leaves me, no matter where I go. Yet he still loves me. Isn't that amazing? God knows me, yet he still loves me. He loves me so much that he wants to bring me to himself through Jesus Christ. 
that I can even pray to him in my thoughts. That he knows how awful I am and he'll still forgive me and welcome me into his family only through the blood of his son. Friends, let's pray together. Oh God, let us seek you while you may be found. And we know that today the arms of Jesus are open wide. And we know that whoever comes to you, you will not cast out. And we thank you for that promise, oh Lord. And Lord, take us, Lord, uh, and work in our hearts and minds. Let us be knowledgeable that you have all knowledge and that you have an amazing presence no matter where we go. And Lord, if there even is one amongst us, amongst us who even has walked that difficult valley of not knowing what to do, even with an unexpected pregnancy, we pray for that person. We pray for that lady that she might know the Lord and be loved even here at Redeemer. Because Lord, you love life and help us to love life and see things the way you see it, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.